Welcome to Food Friday here on the Hunt Harvest Health Podcast, where we dish out food topics, recipes, and answer your questions related to food, food prep, and nutrition. Find our recipes and tips on our website at huntharvesthealth.com. Welcome to the Food Friday, everybody. This is Doc Hillary. Um, I just wanted to do a short introduction um, to this Food Friday. I'm excited today. We have a guest on who, Essie Schultz. She is from Pennsylvania, and she is going to be talking about sourdough. We get so many questions about sourdough, and in our recent podcast we just put out with Melissa K. Nor, she we even talk about sourdough in there. We just started some new sourdough starters in the last couple of weeks. And I'm actually, it's Friday today. I'm going to make some bread. We recorded this podcast prior to the entire COVID quarantine. So what's interesting is towards the end of the podcast, we talk a little bit about slowing down and life and all that. And isn't it funny how now we are all quarantined and we have to slow down. We can't be moving around as much. We're coming to find out that the simpler things in life are actually kind of nice. Maybe not great for your pocketbook, but it is great for helping you to slow down and remember what's important. So I kind of find that fascinating when I listened back and edited this podcast about how it kind of fits into the times right now. I also wanted to announce that um, I and possibly Ryan, I'm not sure yet, are going to be on a live YouTube program tomorrow. We have become part of what's called the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, and it's a collection of podcasts that are we're all working together as a community, and um, it's outdoor podcasts on all things from farming, homesteading, fishing, hunting, uh, health, all these things. They brought us all together, and so one of the other Waypoint uh, Collective folks, they are called Homesteady. They are going to be doing a YouTube live event on Saturday, April, Saturday, April 11th. They invited me to be on there talking about practical ways to prevent getting COVID or just talking about health in general. What's exciting about it is they're also going to be having a number of different people on there from Waypoint and other homestead platforms talking about different topics. So if you want to join that, you can go ahead and go to Homesteady, just like it sounds. Um, Subscribe. They have a lot of subscribers. They have a great channel. What I love about them, they have camels. They milk camels for their milk. It's a really interesting story. That is going to be at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Saturday, April 11th. You can tune into their YouTube channel, and we're all going to be on there um, talking about different aspects of homesteading. I did a post yesterday on Instagram. We've done so much stuff this week related to, um, you know, just getting ready for things like canning kind of feels like the fall. We don't typically do any of this in the spring. Actually, right now, Ryan would be in New Zealand, uh, but he's home. So he's been doing some building projects. We got some new ducks. Our chickens are growing. So we're looking at getting them a new house, um, getting our ducks set up in an area where they can have some water. Uh, We are canning. We had tomatoes from 2018 and we canned those uh, this weekend, so we made sauce also from some onions and garlic and veggies that we had gotten from a, our friend uh, Sean at Frank's Little Farm in Missoula. So we had some CSA veggies and we put those in with our tomatoes. We also canned some venison 
which is a great way to store and keep your meats, makes the best meat out there, actually. Canned meat is delicious. Ryan chopped firewood. Oh, yeah, we planted a bunch of seeds. And then my herbs, I did a video on our Instagram TV growing our own herbs. They're coming up, so we're going to have some herbs to be repotting here in the next few weeks. That's really exciting. We've been spending a lot of quality time together and getting tremendous sleep. So I don't know. The quarantine is going as it is, and I'm not sure where this is going to go for our economy, etc. It's who knows at this point, but I would say that it is a good time to slow down and and to become more self-sufficient. So hopefully you can join us on that live stream tomorrow. And I will put the link to the actual event in the show notes if you want that. So, okay, enjoy this podcast today with Essie Schultz talking all about sourdough. So you can start making your own sourdough. I have an exciting guest today for our Food Friday that I think everyone, everyone will get a lot of value out of uh, her story and what she's doing in the world. I got a recommendation on Instagram from her husband saying that his wife knows a lot about bread. Uh, everybody, welcome Essie Schultz to the show. Essie, thanks for being here. Hi, thank you so much. I'm very happy to, to be chatting with you. Cool. Well, Essie, um, I see that you have a business called the Good Grain Bread Company um, outside of, you said you're in a small town of Fleetwood, Pennsylvania. That's right. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and kind of how you got into uh, baking bread? I started baking bread um, maybe about 11 years ago, just sort of as a side hobby. I just fell in love with it. So I started making more and more. I took a few workshops. I've been interested in bread making for a long, long time. The first time I made bread was with my grandfather when I was nine or 10. And through my teen years, my dad made bread. Yeah, I think just kind of one thing built upon the other. And I really fell in love with the process and the art and um, kind of diving into kind of the science of it, how specifically sourdough bread interacts with the microbiome and learning more about the gut brain access. Yeah, I, I think it's just, it's fascinating. So I specialize in, um, in whole grain, organic, artisan sourdough bread. So I hand make all of my bread. Um, I mill all the whole grains in house. I did use a variety of grains, um, a fair amount of ancient grains. So I'm using spelt and camu, rye, prairie barley, einkorn, emmer. So I love playing with all of those. And it really introduces a variety of grains and nutrition too. And so with also what is really important about the bread I'm making is the, the fresh milling. I retain all of the bran and germ, the oils. And so nutritionally, it really adds a lot more than a typical store yeasted bread that hasn't gone through fermentation and uses mainly the endosperm for the flour. What is the difference in what you're making and what most people will consider to be like a healthy bread? What makes sourdough really special is the fermentation. So a typical store-bought sandwich bread is yeast-based. Commercial yeast was invented to speed up the process. So for thousands and thousands of years, people um, throughout human civilizations have had naturally leavened bread, which is sourdough. So 
that term just means that it's naturally leavened through lactic acid bacteria and um, naturally occurring yeast. Primarily the lactic acid bacteria though, so that outnumbers the yeast about 100 to 1. The natural leavening is just a community of microbes. And so those microbes are releasing carbon dioxide. The gluten, which is a protein in the wheat, um, is developed in the dough and that captures the carbon dioxide, creating the bubbles or the oven, right, the oven spring, which leavens the bread. So that is the natural process to what commercial yeast also does, cre creating that carbon dioxide. The lactic acid bacteria, that is the key because it transforms the wheat. Artisan sourdough breads, they undergo a long, slow, typically cold fermentation process. So for example, my breads usually ferment for about 24 hours. And in this process, these microbes, we could say pre-digest the wheat. There's a degradation in the gluten. So for a lot of individuals with sensitivities, typically it's easier to digest. The microbes also make the nutrients in the wheat more bioavailable. So we're able to absorb things minerals, vitamins, phytochemicals, excuse me, that we would typically just pass when we're consuming yeasted breads because our digestive system is too quick for that. So with the, the microbes kind of pre-digesting it for us, when we eat it, then we can absorb it. Yeah, I think that bread is probably one of the oldest talked about foods, you know, um, that we see, but definitely our ancestors likely were doing sourdough, right? They were not using yeast to make bread. Leavened breads in the way we think of it, probably um, it was ancient Egypt that they were developed. But there's evidence through archaeology that dates back to like ancient Jordan, um, where people were making flatbreads that weren't necessarily leavened, but mm. really is in very, very ancient human civilizations. Bread dates back to, to really the earliest. Is gluten essential to make a good bread? You know, gluten is very controversial right now. I think it has been for a number of years. Um, and there's a pretty booming industry based on it. So the latest research coming out of Belgium and the UK indicate that a lot of gluten sensitivities, quote unquote, um, could be more realistic a fructan molecule chain. There is there is the degradation. As it, as it ferments, the gluten does degrade. Um, so if you're doing like a very long fermentation, like 48 hours plus, then the loaf of bread that you're going to make is not going to be as high and fluffy and won't have a, a really open crumb structure because it's not going to hold in as much gas. Um, but for individuals that do have intolerances, there will be much, much less gluten. In fact, there was a study, um, I could get back to you on the author. It was from Belgium and he did a 48 hour fermentation. So I believe that the um, standard for US gluten-free is 20 parts per million. And after the, um, the 48 hour fermentation, his bread came back and tested, I believe it was 11 parts per million. So by US standards, it would be gluten-free. So that's how much the gluten degrades in oh, the fermentation. Yeah, because I definitely know that people who are doing sourdough products, they tend to have an easier 
for sure an easier time to uh-huh. I know that in our house we do. And the other thing that is interesting is all the stuff that I see, like autoimmunity and all these things. You know, we're always thinking like, okay, what kind of proteins could be interacting and causing autoimmunity? And like, especially for conditions like the thyroid, um, gluten seems to be a big irritator of the thyroid. Um, but you know, the majority of people are eating conventional grain, conventional bread. Um, they're not mm-hmm. eating sourdough. Their microbiomes are already a mess, um, uh-huh. etc. And um, wh- what I what I think is interesting is that the whole movement of like gluten free. If you read like what's in the gluten free, it's kind of like well, geez, is this any better for me? Earlier, you mentioned the microbiome. Um, In my reading, that is just so, so important. I think that, you know, researchers and doctors and scientists are just starting to scratch the surface of all of the keys to, to our systems. It's interesting because the lactic acid bacteria, that, that really creates this sort of layer in the intestines. If we have a really good, healthy, robust, um, diverse microbiome, which is fed by these beneficial you know, lactic acid bacteria and creating this environment, then things don't seep into the bloodstream. And so when, when things pass through our intestinal walls and go into the bloodstream, it triggers that immune response. Um, which is typically inflammation and a lot of things that are very real and very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Um, but I think it, the issue speaks to just how unhealthy our guts are. And by eating fermented foods, that really does bolster wellness, just general well-being. Even It's even connected with mental health. Oh, for sure. And that was going back to the gut brain that you talked about in the very beginning. I had one of my girlfriends on a couple of years ago, Dr. Jillian, and she talked about the gut brain axis and the nerves that talk to your gut from your brain. It would be like having four spinal cords. It's so much nerve innervation that you couldn't even actually fit that in your spinal column. It's so big. It's incredible. That's how much um, talking is going on. The other thing that is really important about what you're doing too is you're using some ancient grains you had mentioned like icorn and and maybe the way in which they're being har- uh, grown and harvested and maybe from uh, heirloom seeds or whatever um not a lot of gmo maybe products uh more like ancient you know how they were meant to be and then organic i think it's important for people to realize it's probably a hundred percent impossible to say, especially in the the farming industry with the way the world is and the wind is and seeds are it's, right everything's a hundred percent organic um but I think the other big battle we have with that microbiome is that in the food supply, we are being subjected to chemicals that also destroy the lining of the gut, and so if you're not getting that and destroying the bacteria and the antibiotics and all the things people are taking. And so you get that leaky gut. Organic is certainly, certainly better. Uh, Vanessa Kimball is a baker out of the UK and she's done a lot of research with sourdough. And she writes in her book that lactic acid bacteria has been traced back to the grain and even to the soil. It's really 
a testament to how integral the soil, the plants, our our entire environment is. So when possible, you know, to avoid, you know, the chemicals, it's best to for sure. And also eating a diverse diet, you know, and having multi-grain breads and experimenting with um, different grains. And it's really accessible and really easy to do at home. Making bread is, it's not hard. It does take time, but it's a skill that we all can do, you know, and, and it's pretty easy to even access a lot of different ancient grains. You can easily order them online. You could, you know, there's home mills, you can, KitchenAid even has one that you can like an attachment. It's definitely possible. Um, if it's something people are interested in. So I, w- I would encourage people just to, yeah, experiment and to play around with it. There's tons and tons of recipes and lots of, um, you know, books, and you can just go down the rabbit hole of Instagram. And there's so many resources now because sourdough is really taken off. Okay, can you tell us where would you start? Oh, absolutely. Anybody can make a sourdough. All it is, it's flour and water, equal parts. So you could mix a tablespoon of flour, a tablespoon of water, and a little dish, cover it, let it sit on your counter. And it's going to just naturally capture the yeast ambient in the air. And the lactic acid bacteria will come from the grain itself. It can come from the baker's hands. It can come from your home. And so that culture will just naturally develop. Only that kind of symbiotic bacteria and yeast will live in it. So it won't get funky to where it shouldn't be. It will naturally, it's sort of like, you know, perfect natural selection, I guess. (laughs) So it will start to bubble on your countertop. And um, the next day you can just like, discard half of it. And then the same thing, feed it equal parts water and flour and do that for about a week. And it will smell kind of um, acidic and fruity and it will be bubbly. You'll see that it's kind of alive and active and then it's ready to give a bulk feed and use. And then how do you use it? How do you make bread from that? I typically use like proportions. So about like 20% leaven. So if you're gonna make like two nice sized loaves, you could use like a thousand grams of flour, maybe about seven, anywhere from 70% to 80%. So that would be like 700 to 800 grams of water and 200 grams of your starter and about 20 to 25 grams of salt. Traditional sourdough is just the flour, water, salt. That's all it is. And how long will your starter live? As long as you keep feeding it. (laughs) Let's say you're going to go on vacation. Mm -hmm. You have starter that's been sitting out on the thing. You are not going to be able to feed it for a week. What do you do with it so it doesn't die? I knew I took mine on vacation <laughs> many times, but oh that's not God. the answer. <laughs> so when I told a baker that I did that, <laughs> they laughed at me and said, just put it in the refrigerator and it'll be totally fine. <laughs> if you're not baking with it straight away, just, you you know, in between feeds, you can keep it in the refrigerator. It will be, it might get like this kind of liquidy layer on top, which does not mean that you killed it. It's totally normal. You can just stir it up, give it a feed and you're good to go. Okay. What is the signs that your, your, um, 
your starter is bad? Um, if it's, if you like bring it back to room temperature and there's like no sign of life, it's not bubbling at all. Um, or if you feed it and it's just slack, you could pour it and it doesn't have any kind of activity in it, then you might want to start over. Okay. All right. So you're looking at probably a week or so to get a good starter. Yeah. Yep. About a week. Yeah. I think that that's the problem nowadays is one, making bread sounds like a lot of work. And two, you got to wait a week to get your starter, right? It's not a, it's not a fast process. It kind of takes you back to the old days when people were all about (laughs) making food and it took time. You know, it does take time. It does take time. Yeah. But once you have your starter made, then, you know, if you maintain it, give it a feed one, once a week or once every two weeks, if you're not baking often and keep it in the fridge, then, you know, that part, it will be done. But, you know, it is, you do want to slow down to make bread. And I think that's part of the appeal and part of the beauty, because there's not a lot of things in our modern lives that kind of connect us to the handcrafted and to Mm. you know to really to slow down and be present um and bread certainly does that for me and so it it takes planning but it's so if you wake up you just have to think of you know instead of I'm gonna make bread for dinner tonight you're gonna say all right I'm gonna start the process of making bread and we're gonna have a lovely loaf tomorrow Oh, so yeah. just planning. Can people like order bread from you from anywhere? Or do you just have to be local? Like, um, do you do classes? Do you do anything on Instagram? Anything like that? That if people wanted to learn more? Well, I have a micro bakery, so I'm just super local. Yeah. Um, I don't do mail orders, but I do encourage um, your listeners to find a local baker. You know, there's lots of us around. Um, and, and support someone in your community. But I do, I you know, in my area, I do offer classes. We love sourdough and we we definitely encourage fermentation. We love fermentation with all kinds of things. I think sourdough can be really rewarding. We actually make um, cakes in the morning with it. So it's a great addition to like crepes or pancakes. There's, I think, a number of different ways too you can add it into cooking. I've made muffins with it and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, absolutely. I make cookies with it. Yeah, muffins, scones. All, you can get really creative with it for sure. Cool. Well, is there any final words you'd want to say of wisdom for anybody who wants to add new things into their life to slow down? Like, Well, I think the last point is just when you are shopping for your bread ingredients, I think, you know, if you can find stone milled flour, that would be, um, that would be really great because a lot of flour that's made with in the roller mills is just the endosperm. And so that's just the protein and carbohydrates. But if you're finding, if you have like a local miller, that's even better. Um, But flour that retains the germ and the bran and the oils, because that's where you're getting a lot of the antioxidants, your B vitamins, um, and you know, the, the vitamins and minerals are in the outer layers of, of the wheat. So yeah, I would just encourage people if you're going to 
go through the work and do the time, you might as well get the the most nutrients as well. Well, maybe so the type of flower this matters. Might be, this might be a good segue into like, what does enriched mean? Because when people buy bread, it says enriched, or they buy pasta, or they buy any of that, it says enriched. Can you yeah. explain that a little bit? Why they so, that? so this brings us a little bit to milling, and probably the most um, common way of milling around the world um, is roller is roller milling, and so in that process, the the grain is cleaned and it's fed through these rollers, um, which breaks the grain. And um, then it's sifted, the bran and the germ are removed and then the endosperm is re-rolled and sifted. And so the, so the parts of the grain that like the husk is um, the outer part and that's what the bran is. And in that portion, is the proteins, vitamins, minerals, um, and fiber, also fibers. We haven't really touched on that, but whole grain flours are gonna really give you a lot more fiber and resistant starch, which feeds that um, the beneficial bacteria. Right. And that is a typically 15% higher in fermented breads versus yeasted breads. Mm. So, um, and then the germ is the endosperm. Oh, no, 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 sorry. The germ is the embryo. And that's where um, there's proteins, fats, lipids, sugars, B vitamins. Mm -hmm. um, and then the aileron layer is between the germ and endosperm. And that contains a lot of the amino acids. So with stone milling, you're going to get all of that. Um, with roller milling, you're getting just the endosperm, which is the protein and carbs. Um, and because those roller mills extract all of the really the nutrients of the wheat, they add some companies bleach. Please stay away from that. Um, and but enrichment is adding back in those vitamins and minerals, but they're not to the levels that they would originally have had. Right. Mm -hmm. So in their artificial, it's not the naturally occurring vitamins and minerals. Yeah, and synthetic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And we see this um, in people that have like methylation defects and stuff. We're, com we're coming to find now that like folate, like fo folic acid, which is kind of the typical thing they enrich things with, folic acid. Yeah. Poisonous to a number of people that have methylation defects because you can't take a synthetic folic acid and appropriately make it into a methylfolate, which is what you need for like DNA replication and detoxification right. of your cells. Right. And so in the grain, when you get all of it together, you get natural folates, not folic acid. And folates are the part that you can actually utilize better um, in your body, metabolize that down for what's needed. So I yeah, think exactly. that we're going to start seeing folic acid at least in already in the unconventional world, but as slowly they're going to start finding that folic acid itself is pretty unusable by a lot of people. And by some people, it's actually poisonous. It creates more toxicity in them. And so getting a whole food, like a whole grain with the natural folates in it, which nature intended it for us to use, um, 
it's way, way, way more beneficial. And in the long term creates less, um, again, destruction of the gut wall and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So look out on the label for like stone milled. Mm -hmm. Stone milled. Okay. Stone milled. uh, Look for natural leavening um, Mm -hmm. on our sourdough. I just went yesterday. We have a great little co-op across the street from my office. And I went and I got sour. I was, I was doing this thing like, do I need to buy bread? Do I want to buy bread? And they make yeah. their sourdough there. Nice. And I was standing there with like some Ezekiel bread things in one uh-huh. hand, their, their fresh sourdough in the other. And this one of the guys that worked there walked by and he's like, that's a way better choice. And he pointed <laughs> to the sourdough. And I was like, I think you're right. And um, now knowing like with my kids, now knowing that it's not necessarily gluten. That's a huge problem for them. I could read the ingredients. It's like just what you said. It was like salt, flour, and sourdough starter. And Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I was like, okay, this is a better choice than the breads that have like 20 ingredients in them. Right. Right. Yeah. I think the other thing we could touch on here is all the endocrine disorder that we see, thyroid disorders and bromines and chlorines and... I, um, I, I, uh, is it, is it bromide, chloride, and iodine? They're all kind of in the same iodide. They're all in the same family. And so the breads that are super, super soft, like yeah. the sandwich bread that's super, super soft, don't they add like bromines to those to make it softer? And exactly. those interact with the thyroid. They interact yeah. with hormones and they're not good for people. Just like, oh, it's fluoride, not fluoride. iodine. So fluoride, which is in water systems and they add to food, and we know that that interacts with the endocrine system. And that's in bread. So if people are eating a bunch of like bread that's got bromines in it, yeah, they may be having more endocrine stuff. For sure. Yeah, and a lot of flowers um, have the bromine um, because it's a way to artificially age the flour. Um, and the reason companies want to do that is to lower the pH because it makes for better baking. Um, so again, you know, it's constantly like tweaking this beautiful natural product um, for the sake of, you know, efficiency and the, the bottom line. Um, so it makes sense from, you know, the, <clears throat> the shelf stable, you know, business model of like fast, convenient food, but it really does not nourish us. And like you're saying, in many, many cases, it damages our systems. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I mean, my grandparents lived in like the great depression. They lived in world war two, like, but like they lived in a time too, when like women made bread, like they they got grains and they made bread. And then, you know, kind of the fifties and sixties, you started getting more processed food. And um, I, I just always wonder too, it's like, we're losing so much of that slow me down culture. And, you know, um, with the advent of all the stuff, technology that we have, and then everybody being so busy and they're providing food for a lot of people on the planet, right? You need to provide a lot of bread and your sourdough all day long to feed the whole planet. But at the same time, it's like we've actually lost that connection to food where we don't even make our own bread anymore. Like we expect to go to the store 
or we don't go to our local baker. We're not going to someone like you who's whose job is to make this really healthy, delicious bread every single day, you know? Um, and, and in a lot of ways, it's kind of sad. It's like a lot of things they feel like they're being lost, you know, like skills, like, I don't know, sewing and quilting and baking bread. And I don't know, there's probably somebody out there churning butter that probably could do a <laughs> podcast on how great churn butter is for you compared to conventional butter. Um, like we just don't have that time anymore. Right. But like you said, I think it's a good test to be patient and to make it. And then once you do it, you'll be like, oh, this is much better. And yeah, honestly, I don't really like like conventional bread that it's got a weird, it's like gluey. It's almost like mm-hmm. gluey when you eat it, you know? Yeah. Um, it makes great toast. I think kids love it because when you toast it, it's still gooey. Yeah. Not like hard yeah. as a rock if you, yeah. it, you know, it's got that weird gooeyness to it, but um, it doesn't have the same taste and it just, I don't know, something about slowing down. And Yeah. It's, I mean, you're right. It's a different product. It's a different process. And, um, you know, the end result on our bodies is very different. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I I would encourage anyone who's listening right now to, one, obviously, find out if you have food allergies. If you don't do well with gluten, you know, like wheat gluten, maybe try a nut. There's lots of different grains. There's some, there's grains that don't have gluten, but obviously, Mm -hmm. it's going to be the main thing that's going to interact. We actually, I think we tried to do a sourdough with, um, what was it? It was a, it was like a non-gluten flour. Okay. doesn't work the same way. It was kind of funky. I don't think it was right. It just, we didn't do it the same, but yeah. Well, you can make like, you know, um, more like pan bread. So instead of thinking like a rustic hearth bread where it's kind of like fluffy and got a beautiful like crumb structure, you're not going to get that with a um, a grain that doesn't have high gluten content, but you could get still a really nutritious and delicious bread from like a pan loaf, you know, something that's more dense and looks more like, like a banana or zucchini bread with, you know, in a, in a tin. Um, but there, there are a lot of options, you know, rye has pretty low gluten. Um, barley doesn't have, you know, and, and there's just, I think it goes back to diversity of grains and um, really branching out from only conventional wheat. You know, there's even a lot of heirloom grains that are coming back, um, like red fife, um, turkey red. Um, Those are wheat varieties, but older and um, less used in um, the wider wheat market. When I was in Turkey, I've worked in Turkey a few times. And at least when I was there, they they don't even allow like GMO seeds into the country. There's like really strict regulations on their grains because yeah. they have these really old hybrid grains that they yeah. use in their food. And um, yeah, I, I think it definitely makes a difference uh, in when you eat it, like how you feel having these older hybrid grains that haven't been modified over the years, you know, to either make more gluten or, you know, whatever. Right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, 
anything else you want to touch on? Did we miss? I feel like you bring something up and then I'm like, oh yeah. What about <laughs> but I really, honestly, I know a lot about like the biochemistry of the nutrients, but I don't know a whole lot about like bread itself. You know, like I know what I could tell patients to stay away from, mm-hmm. but I also think it's important. Honestly, now I am like people, if you're going gluten-free, like you need to read the ingredients in your gluten-free stuff because holy cow, some of it is, it's like eating something worse than the gluten. So. It's, it's packed with all kinds of mysterious things. <laughs> yeah. <And> like <laughs> Not all of it. And the Beyond Burger. Yes. But, ooh, yeah. The Beyond Burger doesn't look very healthy for you, even though it's plant-based. It has stuff in it that shouldn't be yeah. in there. So I feel yeah. like sometimes the gluten-free, and we did gluten-free for years, but now I'm wondering if we just <laughs> created potato intolerance in our household. Well, <laughs> I, don't know, I think for, for me, I always think like the take home message is like the more like whole food, natural things yeah. that we're eating, the better off inevitably we'll be. If we are eating like a diverse range of plants and, um, you know, colors and all of those, whatever helps people remember to eat you know, eat a wide range of, of things. Um, and if it's in their whole form, you know, that's always going to be the best way. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you doing this podcast with me, this food Friday. Um, we'll put your information in the show notes so people can get a hold of you or follow you on Instagram. I guess I would just encourage people to slow down, make some sourdough starter. <laughs> Don't freak out if it doesn't work the first time. Try again, because like you That's said, right. it's only water and flour, um, <laughs> and you can start over. If you're really obsessed, you can take it on vacation with you, but I might tell you, Essie, you should relax and not take your sourdough starter with you on vacation. I stopped <laughs> doing that. Yeah. <laughs> vacation from your sourdough starter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we break up every now and again. <laughs> okay. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks for being on here. Well, thanks for having me. You're welcome. It was nice to be here. with you. Bye. The Stealthy Hunter website and the Hunt Harvest Health podcast is for general health information only. This podcast is not to be used as substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment of any health condition or problem. Any questions regarding your own health should be addressed to your own primary care physician or other health care provider.